Welcome to the Quadcast, brought to you by the Mary Christie Institute, a thought leadership organization dedicated to the behavioral health and well-being of teens and young adults. We have a particular focus on college students. I'm Marjorie Malpedi, the executive director of the Mary Christie Institute and the host of the Quadcast. Hello and welcome to the Quadcast. I'm Dana Humphrey, associate director of the Mary Christie Institute, filling in today for Marjorie Malpedi. We are joined by Jared Fenton, Executive Director of the Reflect Organization, a nonprofit dedicated to empowering college students to foster a culture of authenticity, self-love, and allyship on campus. Jared, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Dana, and thanks to the Mary Christie Institute for all your support of our work. So you know I am a big fan of Reflect's great work, but for those who don't yet know you, could you explain a little bit about what your organization does and how it came to be? Sure. So Our organization came to be as a result of my experience as a college student. Back in about 2013, I went to the University of Pennsylvania. I didn't know too many people there. And so I did this thing where I would get lunch with a random person every day. Going into the dining hall, obviously a bit of a lost experience at this point given COVID. But, you know, at the time going into the dining hall, finding somebody alone and asking if I could join them. And about nine times out of 10, these people said, yes, absolutely, you can join me. One out of 10 times, uh, they would say, you know, I have an exam in five minutes. Uh, If we could do this next (laughs) week, that would be really great. But what was nice was essentially 10 out of 10 times, these students wanted to meet me. And, And that was really great. They were open to meeting me. What was less great was that when I would sit down with these students day after day for literally the entirety of my first year of college, they were not open about who they were. It was like I was talking to their Instagram profiles. So despite the fact that we had only been at school for a week or two weeks, everybody seemed to have the most friends. Everybody seemed to be thriving academically, have that internship lined up. And as a first-year college student myself who didn't have 100 friends and wasn't going to a different party every night, for example, and coming from a family that is very much you be the best you, whoever that is, but don't be anybody other than yourself. I kind of started to recognize these metaphorical masks of effortless perfection that it seemed like my fellow students were wearing. So halfway through my first year of college, one of my classmates named Maddie Holleran died by suicide. And after her death, Kate Fagan, the ESPN columnist, came out with a story called Split Image, all about the image of effortless perfection that many felt Maddie portrayed to the outside world, a track star, etc., as opposed to the real image of Maddie on the inside, which was one of, you know, deep turmoil. Then later, In my first year, I actually found one of my classmates in a moment of crisis. And that friend uh, of mine is alive and happy and well today, which I am just so grateful to share. But it was after those experiences getting lunch, the death of Maddie, and then that experience with my friend 
that I said, okay, if I'm in this program, it's called the Civic Scholars Program, that is going to fully fund me to do four years of preparation for and then formal research into any community service topic, I'm going to look into college student mental wellness. And specifically, I'm going to look into this phenomenon called penface, which is the term that the pen community came up with to describe these metaphorical masks of effortless perfection, which are detrimental to college student mental wellness. And so now years later, we have this national organization that is dedicated to working against that mask, empowering students, as you so kindly said in your intro, to be authentic, be allied, be self-loving, and help to create these more protective cultures on college campuses. Thanks, Jared. That's so great. I've heard you talk about this before. So I know that there is pen face and there is duck syndrome at a different school. And there's just many different names for this same phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. So one of the items that we discovered was that just like you said, at Penn, they call it the pen face. However, at Stanford, they call it duck syndrome because a duck seemingly glides gracefully across the water but underneath the surface, it's actually paddling furiously just to stay afloat. At Tulane, they call it the undertow, like an undertow in the water. It means that the water is, again, seemingly calm on the surface, but underneath, it's dragging you down. And so Penface is this pervasive phenomenon appearing at college campuses, not only across the United States, uh, but also internationally. So, for instance, after CBS Local News in Philadelphia did a special about us, a representative from the University of Essex in Essex reached out to us and said, hey, we have Penface here in Essex. Can you help us out? So, you know, one of my first responses was, you're watching you know, Philadelphia local news in Essex? And they, you know, they kind of laughed and they said, yeah, I'm from Philadelphia, but now I live in Essex. But you know, this, this is a real problem. You know, can, can you provide support to us? And so this phenomenon of uh, metaphorical masking, these metaphorical masks of effortless perfection are not only pervasive here in the United States, but also internationally. And of course, they're debilitating. And so you created a chapter at Penn, and it really grew from there to other schools. Is that right? That's exactly right. So the first chapter was at the University of Pennsylvania. We still have a chapter there. Since then, we've expanded to other Ivies like Cornell University, Columbia University, and we're at non-Ivy League schools. So we have a chapter at, for example, Queens College, a more commuter institution. We have now expanded quite significantly from our original chapter at the University of Pennsylvania. And what happens at those meetings? So you have a meeting of a certain number of students that come together. And what is your hope that happens at those meetings? Yeah. So the way that I think about the gatherings that we host is our work is grounded in a concept that comes from one of our advisory board members named Ken Ginsberg, one of the nation's leaders in fostering resilience in children and teens. And this concept is called one caring person. So the idea behind one caring person is that if you have just one person in your life that does three things, they don't judge you, they believe in you. But again, they believe in you to be your best self. They don't believe in you to get straight A's, right? Or to achieve some arbitrary measure of success. They don't judge you and they believe in you to be your true and best self. And then number three, they 
are there for you, they're a dependable presence, then that can help to uh, build resilience and break cycles of adversity. It can help to create, you know, a, a more protective community. And so the way that I envision our gatherings is when we have hundreds of college students, you know, thousands if you look across the nation, right? When we have thousands of college students at different times, of course, on different college campuses coming together to take off those metaphorical masks of effortless perfection, to connect with each other as their true selves, to support each other in being their true selves, and to work with each other to overcome challenges and thrive, we can create these little microcosms of what college campuses could look like if people were to be somewhat of this one caring person for each other, right? Essentially, what we say is every given college student, it's not easy, but every given college student theoretically has the power to take off their metaphorical mask of effortless perfection and be their true self and support others in being their true self as well. And again, we know that in doing this, we can help to create these more protective communities. And so when we bring all of these students together in our gatherings to essentially play out what it would look like if the entire campus were supporting each other, we can help students to feel how different and positive it feels to be your true self and to support each other and like so inspire them to go and do that on campus. Yeah, definitely. Another great thing is that it seems like the recent research is backing up this idea that if you break down stigma about mental health issues or or struggles on campus that the culture really benefits. So Jared, the last time that we saw each other in person was at our higher ed convening in Georgetown in March 2020. So right around when things started shutting down, actually, I remember leaving that event and shaking someone's hand and thinking, is this okay? I don't really know. We were really in the dark. And so much has changed since then. It's been over a year. How has your work changed over the past difficult year? It's changed in a number of ways. However, at the same time, it's consistent in a number of ways as well. So to give an example, you asked about the gatherings that we host. We used to host them physically. Now we host them virtually. And actually, as a result of this shift from physical to virtual, we have been able to serve more students than ever before which has been an unexpected surprise that, that has come with the shift. We also have created some new programs and expanded some older programs that seem to have more relevance you know, nowadays than they did previously. So for instance, we every summer hosted an internship program for college students, working with college students every single day, on personal, professional, and leadership development through a tailored mental wellness-based curriculum. Prior to COVID, those classes were not that large. We would host you know, anywhere between one intern at a given time all the way up to probably six or seven. But with COVID, we had students reaching out to us saying, hey, our internship was canceled. We had been looking forward to it. We're feeling 
in certain circumstances, helpless in other circumstances, hopeless, you know, is there anything that Reflect can do to help out? And so we pulled our team together, we completely redid our internship program to allow it to operate in a virtual environment. We started partnering with schools to be able to provide stipends, course credit, integrating micro projects, as well as flexibility in terms of hours to accommodate, you know, a more diverse set of interns. And we were able to host over 25 interns remotely last summer, and we're going to be hosting even more this summer. It was uh, kind of funny because one of my colleagues said to me, they said, you know, are are you aware that Converse, the multinational organization is hosting fewer interns than the Reflect organization. And I said, no, I actually wasn't aware of that. But you know, we feel like we have important work to do and we feel like we can make a meaningful difference for these students. We've expanded our online blog where students share stories of authenticity, allyship, self-love, and student empowerment. And in fact, a, a student leader with whom we work named Skylar envisioned her own project called the Reflection Series, where she has been interviewing college students about mental wellness, you know, speaking openly and honestly about their experience with it. And it's actually a video series. The first episode was just released on uh, our blog a couple of weeks ago, and the second episode will be going up soon as well. So we have held consistent in terms of hosting our core gatherings, our core programs, albeit virtually. And we have also created some new programs and expanded some older programs that seem to have more relevance now. That's great. So it seems as if higher ed as a whole has been doing a lot of reflection at this time, trying to learn some lessons from such a huge upheaval to students' lives and just generally higher ed as a whole, hopefully that we can bring into a post-COVID world. Have you or Reflect found that to be true? And what lessons are you hoping to keep with you going forward? We certainly have found that to be true. A few examples that I would point to are our realization that our program and our impact on college students can be far greater if we are able to combine the ultimately back in-person approach with some of the virtual options that we've created as a result of COVID. There are these ways to make an impact on students in a virtual way that are not accessible to us if we just tried to do it physically. And moving into a post-COVID world, we are really excited to be able to make the deep impact that comes with in-person connection and in-person communication that we have previously and we you know, will do once more. And we're also excited to extend our impact through these virtual offerings, which have also shown themselves to be meaningful, but we, we simply had not developed or at least developed to the point that they're developed now prior to COVID. So what is next for your organization? What's next for our org immediately is that our summer interns will be starting. Uh, Our internship coordinator, who is actually a previous intern of ours, she went from intern a couple of years ago, her name's Olivia, to 
project associate, and now she is our intern coordinator. So we're, we're very excited to have her with us in this new role. She just came on board, and our intern class is going to be starting very soon. In the fall, our campuses, many of them will be reopening, potentially not reopening to the point where we can have hundreds of students in one room, but we look forward to delivering our programs in whatever way is safe and whatever way would be most meaningful when we're back in the fall. So I want to give you a chance to say any last comments or any last thoughts. And also just if you could quickly let us know where we can find the blog that you mentioned. Sure. So starting with the blog, you can find that at Reflect Effect. That's R-E-F-L-E-C-T-E-F-F-E-C-T dot org slash blog. So it's it's constantly updated and, and you'll be able to find everything there. In terms of last uh, thoughts, final comments, of course, I would be remiss if I did not thank you, Dana, again for having me on the podcast today. Also, the Mary Christie Institute for your support of Reflect. I also want to just touch on a, a couple more points, one being, I mentioned it earlier, but this concept of one caring person I believe is transformative. And for all of the listeners of the quadcast, I would encourage you, A, to take care of yourself, right? Everybody deserves self-care. And there's a saying in mental wellness, you know, who tows the tow truck, right? So first care for yourself, and then you will be in a better position to care for others. And at the point at which you are in a position to care for others, I encourage you to try to be that one caring person. There are no specific words that you have to say. There are no specific actions that you have to take. It's just about trying your best. It's about trying your best to be non-judgmental. It's about trying your best to be there, to be dependable. And it's about trying your best to believe in others to be their best selves. And being that one caring person can literally change lives. And so again, I I encourage um, your listeners to do that if they're able. And then finally, if anybody needs help from the Reflect organization, if any campuses are interested in working with us to help support the students at your institution, please feel welcome to reach out to us at info, uh, I-N-F-O, at reflecteffect.org, and we will look forward to getting back to you. Uh, So thanks again, Dana, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time you and I chat. Jared, thanks so much for joining me today. It is always such a joy to talk to you. This has been the Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Institute. To learn more about our work, go to marychristieinstitute.org where you can sign up for our other programs like the MC Feed and the Mary Christie Quarterly. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating, a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening.